Um, the scripture this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 30. Listen to these words. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. And with your own eyes, you'll see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now this word uh, from God came to Isaiah the prophet to the nation of Israel in a time when Israel had gone through just a very difficult period of history and they were trying to regroup now and look to the future and figure out what they were going to do. And, and so it was a time of great change. And so I think that these words are always good words to hear when we're going through change and um, especially when we're going through significant change in our lives and, and in what's going on around us. Now, um, this morning is not a typical sermon. I'm going to do some things a little different. Uh, so, so you really need to have to pay attention during the first half or the second half may not make any sense, okay? So, so the first half is, this is not what I normally do, but it's important. Um, so this uh, gentleman named Mark Dyer, who is often quoted by uh, theologians like, uh, like Diana Bass and uh, Phyllis Tickle and Brian McLaren, he famously observed that about every 500 years, the church has a rummage sale. Now, uh, by rummage sale, he's not talking about old hymnals and chalkboards. He's talking about a theological rummage sale. About every 500 years, the church and actually the culture as well go through significant changes in which they have to figure out what they're going to keep, what they're going to let go of, how are they going to move forward. And um, I hope this morning, uh, the time I finish, that I'll have demonstrated to you that this is really, this really is true. I think he's right. And if you just look at history, you see this happening. Now, the good news is this has happened several times before and everything worked out. The bad news is it's never happened to us. <laughs> and so it's kind of frightening when you have to go through it. So, so, so here goes, and, and here's what, you know, I, I hope to demonstrate how this is true. You know, Christianity began when Jewish people started following Jesus and believed that he was the Messiah. Now, I want you to think for just a moment what a massive shift that was for them. Because now, since they're following Jesus and his teaching, that means that people, outsiders, Gentiles, who normally could not have been a part of their faith without going through all these rituals and obeying all these laws, now they were just invited in. They were just welcome to come be a part. Imagine growing up your whole life following those dietary laws and being told that they were a matter of salvation and all of a sudden you no longer have to follow them. Imagine your entire life. You go to synagogue and you go to the temple and there is a sacrificial system and those sacrifices are how you're forgiven for your sins and now they're no longer a part of what you do. The change in how they practiced their faith was absolutely massive. 
And they had to figure out, ah, I mean, it didn't even seem like their faith anymore. So Christianity itself starts in the midst of a Jewish rummage sale. When everything is shifting and changing and they're trying to figure out where is God in all this and what is God really leading us to do? What do we keep? Where do we go? And so then in the first century or so, Christians were persecuted by Rome. But a couple of hundred years into it, Christianity became the state religion of the Roman Empire, which was one of the worst things that has ever happened to Christianity. And so uh, about five, 500 years after the start of Christianity, the Roman Empire collapsed, the Dark Ages ensued, talk about a change in the culture, everything was shifting, people wasn't sure what to do, Gregory the Great was Pope, and there's a guy named Benedictine who led a movement to make the faith more mystical and more centered on prayer. And through what he started to do and the people who started to follow him, out of this rummage sale came monasteries and convents and a whole way of practicing faith that was different. And it's really a wonderful thing they did because during the Dark Ages, I mean, the church was a mess. It was pretty, it was about half magic and half superstition. And it was those faithful people in the monasteries that preserved the faith through the Dark Ages and brought it out the other side. As a matter of fact, every great thinker at the end of the Dark Ages was either a monk or had been educated in a monastery. And God used that to bring the, the faith through what the world was going through at that time. 500 years later, it's the turn of the first millennial. Culture is shifting again. And, and people are moving away from feudal lords to actual governments. And so everything is changing in society. Holy wars are in full force. And once again, the church starts to come unraveled and people can't, don't know what to believe anymore, or who to follow anymore. And so there, there was a, a split between what came to be known as Eastern and Western Christianity. And out of that rummage sale, the Eastern Orthodox Church emerged. And today we, we know them as Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, um, Coptic, Syrian, Armenian, Ethiopian. We have one across the street now. And so, so th this... Everything is shifting and changing, and, 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 and then you see a whole new way of, of practicing faith that comes out of what people were doing before. And interestingly enough, right now, during this shift, the Eastern Orthodox Church is dividing again, because the Russian Orthodox Church has decided that it's going to just baptize whatever Putin wants to do and call it Christian, and the rest of the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox churches have said, no, we're not a part of that. And so now you see it diverging again. Then 500 years later <laughs> is the Protestant Reformation. Uh, the printing press had just been invented, and that changed the culture immensely. Now communication was different. Everything, again, things were shifting. Ideas were changing. People didn't know what to do, which way to turn. And, and the same thing is going on in the church. There, there's... there's there was this turmoil in the church. They, they didn't know what to believe anymore, what not to believe. Um, 
And, and I think it's really interesting that, that you know, the, the main theological debate for them was who, who is the authority in the church? Is it the Pope or is it the Scripture? And there was a group of people who said it's the Scripture. And so out of that came the Protestant Reformation and the beginning of Protestantism. I mean, talk about a shift in the way you practice your faith. That was a major shift. 500 years later, here we are. And as a matter of fact, it's 504 years from the Reformation this year. And once again, our means of communication has been completely revolutionized with, with the internet, changed everything. As a matter of fact, we still haven't figured out yet how much it has changed the way we do life, the way we do everything. And, you know, many of us in this room, we grew up in a world, you know, before the internet. And it was a different world. And that world is gone. <laughs> it is never coming back. And everybody's still trying to figure out how to deal with all of this. And, and just as an interesting aside, after the printing press was developed and, and it started to shift and change the, how things were done in culture, it was a few decades after that that a great plague wiped out most of Europe. And so not too many decades after the internet comes into use, um, in our own time, we endure COVID and the pandemic that, that ensued because of that. So things are shifting. Sometimes people, people tell me, they say, you know, I have never felt so uneasy in my life. I've never felt like things were changing. I've never felt like so many things that I took for granted were now being called into question. And if you feel that way, you should. <laughs> because that's the way it is. We're going through a time of change. And those things are really happening. It's not your imagination. And, and in this time of change, people are still looking for God. People are still searching for God. The difference is that they no longer believe they can trust the church as a place to find God and as a place that will be honest and truthful to them about God and about their spiritual life. And so uh, things that we've taken for granted are now being called into question. And we don't have just Methodist and Baptist and Presbyterian churches anymore. We have traditional and modern and emergent and all these other different versions of church and things are splintering. And our own denomination is an example of this. What do we hold on to? What do we not hold on to? What do we change? What do we not change as we move into the future? We're struggling with those things, trying to figure those things out. And this uneasiness creates a resurgence of fundamentalism and authoritarianism in both religion and politics. If you go back, you can go back and check me on this. You go back and look historically. And every time the culture starts going through these great changes, there is always a rise in fundamentalism because people get uncomfortable and things are changing and they don't know what to do. And so they move to the right to try to balance what's going on and all the stuff that's changing around us. So what I wanted to try to say this morning is that I believe we are in the middle of a rummage sale. We're not just experiencing the normal changing of seasons of human history. We are in the midst of the changing, the moving of societal tectonic plates as culture shifts 
And we're in one of these periods where we're trying to figure out what to do next and where to go from here. Well, there's a couple of things I think are important to know. One is, after every rummage sale in history, the church has emerged stronger than it was before. Because every time it happens is the church is declining. And as things are, are, are people, the church is no longer relevant to people and it's moving, it's declining and, and then the culture shifts and all these things happen and, and God uses it to wake us up and say, here's what we need to be doing. And, and, and so it, it's real and, and it happens that way. And, and the other thing that's important to know is that the things, you know, the, the established parts of our faith don't go away just because things change. You know, for instance, the Catholic Church didn't cease to exist because Protestant churches emerged. They both just kept going on. And so the institutional church is going to keep going, but it's going to look a little different. And new things are going to come out of the church that are going to look different. And, and some people are, you know, they, we're just going to have to look around and see again. We're at that point where things are being questioned. What do we believe? What do we not believe? What do we take? What do we not take? And those shifts are real, and we felt them in our culture. And we felt them in our own faith. We felt them in our own denomination. And we felt them here at St. Paul. Because between the cultural and the theological rummage sale and COVID, churches have been hit hard. And, and, and many of you who are here this morning, you remember when you used to look around and see a lot more people here than you see now. Many of you remember and grieve that our church has fewer facilities than it used to have. And so it seems like things have grown smaller through the years. And then COVID hit. I just read a survey last week that said that one-third of the people who attended church before COVID have never come back. A third. And we see that all around us. And so some people see these things and they see decline and they, they worry about the future. And they ask, what are we going to do? What will St. Paul take? out of this rummage sale. Well, I want to tell you what I think this morning. Because every rummage sale or yard sale Cindy and I have ever done in our lives, and I pray to God we've done our last one, <laughs> every one of them meant we were moving. It meant that we were on the crest of something new, a new opportunity, a new adventure a new opportunity to do things. And I believe that the same thing is true for us here at St. Paul. When it comes to people, there's no shortage on people. <laughs> they're everywhere. They're all around us. And they're searching for God. We just have to be intentional about building relationships with people and about being you know, being honest enough to answer or at least try to answer people's questions about God, to at least be brave enough to have a conversation with people about God. We have to invite people to come and to be a part of things. And when they get here, warmly welcome them. Let them know that they're loved. Let's know we really care about them. People are still searching for God. That's one thing that has not changed. But we have to prove to them, this is what's changed. We have to prove to them now 
that St. Paul is a safe and a loving place for them to search. That they're welcome to search here. And, and we, we are that kind of open and inviting place. And as far as buildings, we have plenty of space for now to do the things we need to do. And the good news is that for the first time in decades, we are out of debt. <laughs> we're not going to give one dime to a bank in interest this year. Everything we do will be to move forward in ministry in our church. And so now is the time to be faithful. Now is the time to be seriously committed in our stewardship of, of, of time and talent and finances because now we are on the crest of a new opportunity to move forward. Not every chance, not every church gets a chance to, to, to reboot and move forward again. A lot of churches didn't get that chance through COVID. But because of your sacrifice and God's good grace, we have that chance. And there are opportunities before us there are things in front of us that are exciting. We are sitting on the crest of being able to move forward and reach people and do such incredible ministry in this community, even more than we already do. And I think we need to seize those opportunities, full gas, no brakes. <laughs> we need to move straight ahead with everything we can that God is calling us to do. Now, some things are going to remain the same. We're going to keep having a traditional worship service because that speaks to people. We're going to keep having a modern worship service because this speaks to people. And we're going to keep inviting people to come to them and to come and celebrate and be a part of what we're doing here at St. Paul, and we're going to welcome them. We're going to continue doing ministries here. All, next Sunday, I'm really looking forward to next Sunday. I'm excited about coming here and celebrating all the great stuff that happened this summer because there was a lot of really neat stuff that happened this summer. And so we're going to keep doing the ministries that St. Paul is known for because honestly, the ministries of this church is what makes St. Paul St. Paul. So we're going to keep doing those and keep celebrating those, but we're going to do some new things as well. Um. We've started a group for young adults, and I appreciate Allison Van Dyne and her leadership in this, because we need to be a place where, where people on the front end of life can come and find friends and find acceptance and find a place where they can talk about God and grow in their faith. And I, I thank those, those, you guys who are young adults who have come and supported that and are helping us get that thing going. In September, you heard Felix announce earlier, we're going to have our very own indoor soccer league. And I'm excited about that. And I appreciate uh, Javon and Karen who have worked getting that started and are going to take care of that and get it going because it's been an opportunity for families to come into the church and to, he to hear about a God who loves them and, and to, to know they're in a safe place. And, and they'll also get to learn how to play the beautiful game. So it'll be good. And in September of this year, we're also going to start something called Messy Church. And I'm grateful to, to Katie Zimmerman for heading this up. And in addition to all the other children's ministries we have, we're going to start one Sunday night a month. We're going to invite families with, with uh, elementary age children to come to our church. 
We're going to feed them a dinner. We're going to play games. We're going to make crafts. We're going to tell a story about Jesus. We're going to sing songs. And we're going to let people know that they are loved and that God cares about their family. And then I want to encourage you, the other thing that's important is that the way our church moves forward is not me and the staff to come forward and say, hey, we have these new programs we want you to do. But it's for each one of us to look around to the things we already do and say, what is it in my life right now that God could use me to make a difference in the people that I already know, that I already touch, that I'm already involved with? I'll tell you a story. It's one of my favorite stories uh, that happened several years back. But there's a church that's in England. And this church was a, it was an older established church that had been declining and there was no one left in it but a few senior adults. They didn't have any young families, no students, and they wanted so badly to have other people come, but nobody came. And the church was right across the street from a park. And every afternoon during the week, that park was filled with high school students. Because after um, school, they went to the park to hang out. That was their place. And these two senior adult ladies were over at the church doing something one day, and they looked over there, and they saw all these students out in the park. And they thought, man, I wish there was some way we could help them know how much God loves them. And then they got an idea. And they went over to the park. These two senior adult women went over to all these students, these high school students, and they said, starting next week, two days a week, we're going to be over in the church kitchen. Anybody that wants to learn how to cook, we'll teach you how for free. Well, a bunch of students showed up over at the church the next week. They want to learn how to cook. And so they started teaching them how to cook. And then the great thing about learning how to cook is after you cook, then you get to sit down and eat the meal. And so they would all sit around the tables and eat. And they got to know each other. They built relationships. And do you know, after about eight, nine months, the students asked the women, while we eat our meal together after we cook, could you teach us about the Bible and about God? Because we would like to know. How cool. Because somebody just said, here's something I can do, and I'm going to help these people. I'm going to give them an opportunity. I'm going to help, and God used that. And that's how I believe things are going to go moving forward, is it's just organic kind of things that we look around and say, oh, I can do that. And then God uses that to make a difference in somebody's lives. You see, one of the good things about rummage sale times is that it opens our eyes to a new way of helping people know God's love for them. It is, was in a great time of change that God spoke through the prophet Isaiah and he said, tell the folks, and I love this, this is one of my favorite verses, I love this, this verse. He says, you tell them, wherever you turn, to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now some believe that Isaiah is talking about the teachers of Israel, but I, I like to think he's talking about God. That it's the voice of God that they will hear. 
If you just move forward and take whatever opportunity you see on your left or your right and listen, then you'll hear God speak. Say, this is the way. Do this. God will lead us. God will guide us and direct us to where we want to know, where we, we need to go. And so this morning, this is the promise that I wanted to share with you, this verse. And I wanted to encourage you because I sincerely believe, and I really want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, as a friend of mine likes to say, I'm not just preaching now, I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) I sincerely believe that the best days for St. Paul are ahead of us. I believe that the opportunities that are before us to reach people in this community and people in this county are just immense. If we will just see the opportunities and if we will seize them and take advantage of them and use them to help people know how much they are loved by God, I believe that our task is to simply be faithful and to look at what opportunities arise and then take those opportunities to let people know about a God who loves them. And then I believe we need to listen, to just listen. And I think we'll hear the voice of God over our shoulder. This is the way. Walk in it. Amen.